Thank you. They can go ahead and be seated. Yeah, if we can figure that out, be in two places at once and translated from one place to the next. Yeah, count me in. I would love to worship here. That was, that was awesome. Great job, worship team. Thank you just for setting the tone. Such an honor to be with you this evening. Uh, Pastor Daniel gave me permission to come down on the floor. Um, you know, it's like a retreat conference style, so I just feel like I, I'd much rather be amongst the people. Then I can call people out, you know, and uh, put people on the spot. Uh, I'm not going to do that, but it is an honor to be with you this evening. I've been really expectant for this weekend uh, ever since Daniel reached out to me and, and told me about his idea for creating space in his church family, church community to focus on learning and leaning into the, the person of the Holy Spirit. And he asked me to be a part of it. I was like, yeah, count me in. I, I can't wait. And I've been praying ever since. Uh, sincerely, I've been praying for this week, weekend. Um, so I see it as a high honor. Me and my family, uh, we're, we're in Ames, as, as Daniel said. And so all weekend long, I'll just be assuming that I'm, I'm speaking to a bunch of Cyclone fans. I'm not even going to ask, okay? I'm just going to assume 100% uh, allegiance to the Cyclone Nation, um, okay? We'll move on. But we, we're in Ames. We love it there. Uh, amazing, amazing church family of Jesus people uh, in our, in our church family that are going after the Lord and seeing him do miraculous things in our city, in our region. And we're honored to be a part of it. God's just brought together an amazing community of people, hungry, humble people that love Jesus and, um, don't want all the extra clutter that oftentimes comes with church. So you'll find in our church family, a very simple church centered around the person of Jesus. And then he moves cause he's glorified. Um, and uh, here we have some Chi Alpha students in the house tonight. Yes, yes, Chi Alpha is in my, it's in my bones. Uh, for the last 18 years, I have been, you know, eating and sleeping and uh, breathing Chi Alpha. And even before that, uh, where, I came, where I come from, my alma mater is North Dakota State, um, but our Chi Alpha pastor started early. And he actually started mentoring me when I was in eighth grade. He took me under his wing. So, so step it up, Derek. Uh, it starts in eighth grade. Uh, he saw something in me in the eighth grade. I was a dorky middle schooler and, uh, he took me under his wing. Uh, he brought me to his dad's farm to do, you know, free labor and, uh, <laughs> poured into my life. And that started a relationship with, with the Kyle pastor at, at my school, North Dakota state. And it changed my life to have a spiritual father like that. And then to just be, um, uh, transition into the fold there at Chi Alpha, North Dakota State, and we saw God do an amazing, uh, amazing work on that campus. And so my life was forever changed through college ministry, through the, the, the intense potential of the college campus and that season of your lives. And so I'm, I'm so excited Chi Alpha students are here, here tonight. And then we said, um, we said yes to Jesus' call in our life. I was a nuclear engineer for the Navy in Seattle. I know you're all wondering, how is this guy that old? Because most people peg me as 21. But you can just do the math in your head. I'm older than 21. Um, but, but I was a nuclear engineer for the Navy for three years. And we just said, yes, to so Jesus will go anywhere you want us to go. And we didn't know a soul in Iowa. Uh, but we, had a, we got a phone call from Jonathan Barthlow in Iowa and, and asked us if we'd be willing to come pioneer Kyle at Iowa State. And um, we, we explored it. We, we were prayerful about it. And the Lord just really confirmed that's where he wanted us to go. And the rest is history. The last 11 years, 
we've just been treading ground here in Iowa, and we love Iowa. Iowa's home. I'd love to introduce you to my family uh, just quickly. I do have a picture of my family, uh, my amazing crew of, of Jesus lovers. There they are. Um, they're just amazing. Love them so much, and I uh, miss them tonight as well. Me and my wife were elementary sweethearts. Um, so, yeah, we, we were cramming a lot of life in our, in our young lives. You know, we, we started off young, uh, elementary sweethearts, and... Um, and that's our crew of prayer warriors. Our kids love Jesus. They love to seek the Lord. They love to worship. That's my son, Bryce. He is now 11, almost 12. Um, just a stud, loves the Lord. He's a stud of a baseball player. He strikes kids out in 20 seconds flat. He hit, five, he hit, he hit 10 home runs last season in baseball. He's just, a, he's just a stud. And then there's my daughter, Lucy, who's 10. Uh, she's so creative. She's so full of life. She is our introvert, so she'll lock herself in our room and she'll be with her books and her dolls. But she is a delight. She hears from the Lord so clearly. It's so beautiful to see her grow in the Lord. And then over the left is my daughter, Addison, who is our comedian. She is spunky. She's a, you know when she's walked into the room, that's Addison. Uh, she is a joy. And then there's Quinn, who's six now. So this picture was a year and a half ago, but uh, Quinn is six, and she is our compliant one. She leads by example. She's the quickest to listen. Uh, she's amazing, and uh, and she has such a faith in prayer, uh, and we're really cultivating that in her. When, honestly, when she prays, things happen, and we recognize that now. At, when she was five, really, we started to recognize that in her, and, and we're just cultivating that in her. She's a, just a powerhouse for the Lord in a small package, in a small itty-bitty package. Um, so that's my family. Um, yeah, amazing crew. Hey, so we are going to dive into the Word of God this weekend. I, I pray that you're ready to really dive deep into the Word of God this weekend, because uh, we're going to get a lot of Word in this weekend. So do you have your Bibles tonight? Okay, a few people do. <laughs> or digital devices. Um, hopefully you have your, your Bibles this weekend. Come, come ready. Um, tonight you can open up to John chapter 3. And Trey, you can, you can head to the keys. I want us to, to just pray one more time as we open up God's word. This is a sacred, sacred story, a sacred book. And I want our hearts to be ready to receive from the Lord, um, from his living word. It's not just a historical book, although it is. It's living and active, and it's able to penetrate deep into your heart and I want that to be uh, preeminent before we, before we read it. So let's, um, let's just pray and prepare our hearts. Uh, Trey, you can just play some pads or something. Um, just low. Yeah, it, can, it doesn't have to be super loud. But Lord, we prepare our hearts to receive from you, from your word. We want all that you have for us this weekend. We're saying we're, we're ready. And if we're not ready, Lord, make us ready. I pray that you'd speak through your word right now as we, as we read. That, Lord, it would be living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It would help us discern between soul and spirit. It would transform us, conform us into the likeness of your Son in your mighty, precious name. Amen. You can bring down the keys just a little bit, but 
want, I want to try to play so that you don't um, think of what I'm going to share with you as just another message. I actually have a real passion for the Word of God to be ministered to people. Um, I, I just want to be a conduit for the Lord to minister to your heart. So I don't want you to hear a monologue or a message. I want you to receive from the Word of God. And uh, sometimes that helps. So, um, so I want us to, tonight to talk about our need for Holy Spirit. Our, our need to fully embrace the person of the Holy Spirit. He's not optional. Um, we, we come to the Father because of the work of Jesus on the cross and the veil was torn. And we were invited into a life with the Spirit. And that's not optional. Sometimes in our walks with Jesus, we may think that life with the Holy Spirit is optional. Like, hold the pickles. It's like a menu item. It's like, okay, I'll take the Father. I'll take the Son. Hold the Holy Spirit. Um, the Holy Spirit is not a menu item. He's not optional. He is a person within the Godhead that's necessary for us to fully embrace. And it's actually necessary for us as we walk with God. So either we want all of God or not. And so I think firstly, it's important for us to understand Holy Spirit as a person, not as a, a thing or an it or an atmospheric uh, entity. He is a person person of the Godhead, a personality with a certain function and role within the Godhead, a certain expression of, of who God is like within the Godhead. It's Holy Spirit. If you think of um, what we understand about God, the Godhead, the Trinity, we see that within the Godhead, within the Trinity, there is this constant deferring to the other that exists within the Trinity. The Father defers to the creative agency of the, the Holy Spirit. You see that from the very beginning in the Genesis creation account, the Spirit hovering over the waters, being really the agent of um, creative agent, bringing things into being at the command of the Father's voice. We see the Holy Spirit's role as revealing Jesus, deferring to the Son of God, deferring to revealing Jesus to human hearts. And we see Jesus deferring to the Father, saying, I'm only doing what I see the Father doing. I'm only saying what I, I hear the Father saying. So within the Trinity is this, this constant deferring. And so if we, we take out the Holy Spirit, we take out a major aspect of how God works amongst humanity. So we have to embrace Holy Spirit. We need to embrace all that God is, all that God has revealed himself to be, and that includes Holy Spirit. And within that, within that like Trinitarian understanding of how God's revealed himself, I don't want us to see Holy Spirit as lesser. Holy Spirit also is not some, you know, redheaded stepchild within the Trinity. Holy Spirit is God. Holy Spirit is God and he plays a vital role in our life. And I pray tonight uh, that we'll, we'll all fully embrace Holy Spirit's work in our lives, our, our uh, necessity for Holy Spirit in our life. So let's look at John chapter three, starting in verse one. It says this, now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs 
that you do unless God is with him. So Nicodemus is a, a leader within the synagogue, highly educated, a teacher, respected, um, intellectual mind within the, the household of faith. But he's coming to Jesus in the night. There is this, um, this certain aspect of secrecy and, and wanting to, to not be seen by his peers to come to this this rabbi, this teacher in the night season, in the night. And he asks this question, what is it that, that makes you so different from all the other teachers? There's something different about you. There's an authority that you carry that's different. And Jesus answered him. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, this is verse three, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? So Nicodemus is not tracking with him. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear it sound but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So as Nicodemus asked this question about the, what makes Jesus so distinct from all others, Jesus takes this moment to, to help Nicodemus discern the difference between the world, the religious world he lives in, and the kingdom of God. And the difference is the Spirit of God. We are brought into the kingdom of God, and there's no other way around this. We are brought into the kingdom of God through the Spirit of God. It's a supernatural work. The Spirit of God wooing us, drawing us, softening our hearts, pointing us towards our need for a Savior, convicting us of sin, drawing us to Him towards the good news and the goodness of God, and then us surrendering the Holy Spirit coming to live inside us. All that is a supernatural work. And it's very good for us to uh, acknowledge that and declare that and confess that over our lives, especially in our Western, you know, left brain world. And it, that's the world I come from. You know, I, I, was an, I was an engineer, I was a nuclear engineer. And so uh, if we have any other intellectual ones in this house, I'm not dogging on you, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm nerdy myself, I eat books for breakfast, I, I, love, I love to read, I love to study. But we don't, we don't come into the kingdom of God through our brains only, solely. God gave us our intellect, and we, we grow and we learn and we use it for his glory. But this work of being born into the kingdom of God is a supernatural work. There's a mystery to it and a spiritual component to it that is otherworldly. And it's really good for us to embrace that. So if there's one idea that I want to share with you tonight, it's that, that if tonight if you are a child of God, then you are a person of the Spirit. Because this whole thing of following Jesus, of living in the kingdom of God, was initiated by, by the Spirit of God. We were ushered into this kingdom through the Spirit of God. And therefore now, this, that's our new grid. It's a, it's a grid 
colored by the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that gives us this new heart. He, he took our heart of stone and he gave us a heart of flesh, as the prophet Ezekiel said. And so, sadly, many people simplify down the Lord's saving work in their life down to some practical decision that they've made. It's like they've considered all of the, the options, the different paths in life, and they, they chose Jesus as the best option of, of them all. But that's not the gospel. That's not actually what Jesus said here in John chapter 3. You know, what Jesus said is that we can only come into the kingdom of God if we are born again, which only happens by the Spirit of God. Only God can soften a heart. Only the Spirit of God can reveal the reality of Jesus to a human heart. That's what I, I said, one of the main roles. We'll talk about the roles of Holy Spirit tonight. But one of the main roles of the Holy Spirit in our life is to reveal Jesus. We don't see as we ought and we'll always misunderstand Jesus, miscategorize Jesus until Holy Spirit comes and gives us eyes to see until the veil is lifted and we see Jesus as we ought. So there is no explanation for the human heart turning to God other than the Spirit of God. And I say that from my own testimony. I say that from my own story of God's saving grace in my life. Is that not grace? The, the conduit of God's grace in your life is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God warming our hearts, realizing that we have, we have a need for a Savior, that I'm broken, I'm in need, and Jesus is the answer. I didn't grow up in a in a home of pastors. My dad was a hardworking uh, fireman, firefighter for 30 plus years, 36 years, he was a fireman. But I grew up in an environment around the church. I had kind of two different realities, really. I had my, my home life that was broken. It was very dysfunctional. Uh, my mom was an alcoholic. Uh, she was uh, addicted to prescription drugs and manipulated by really bad relationships. And so there was always that in the home of fighting and um, dysfunction. My mom would be in and out of jail. She'd get arrested. She'd be in and out of treatments, treatment centers. But my parents did love the Lord. They loved God. They loved Jesus. They encountered the Lord their, their uh, senior year of high school. They were high school sweethearts. And, and then I had church and I'd come into church and Honestly, I'd experienced the presence of God. And what would happen oftentimes for me is I would begin to weep. There was no explanation for it. I wouldn't say I was a abnormally emotional child, but there'd be times where my dad would look at me and he'd be like, Drew, is everything all right? I'm like, I don't know why I'm crying. This is like seven, eight, nine years old. I would just be weeping in the presence of God. Can I tell you, there's no explanation for that other than God softening a heart kid from a dysfunctional home was that would have every reason in the world to harden his heart to the Lord. And yet he gets into the presence of God and his heart breaks. I remember one time when me and my brother, my younger brother, we were around that age, eight or nine years old. And we came home from church and most kids, church is long enough, right? Um, so by the time they get home, they just want to play video games. And I loved my video games, but at this moment, uh Oh, someone's got something to remember. <laughs> Um, but this night, me and my brother literally stayed in our family room downstairs and just worshiped the Lord on our own for quite a while beyond 
you know, this, at this point it was like nine or 10 at night. Not sure why our parents were letting us stay up. There wasn't a lot of order in our home. Um, but we were just worshiping the Lord, singing these songs. I remember being on my knees and, and crying there and singing these songs, repeating these songs that we had just sung in church. And there's no explanation for that other than the spirit of God capturing a heart, softening a heart, drawing a person to himself. That is the spirit of God. It doesn't make sense. And so it is for every, por- every person born into the, into the kingdom of God. You're born into the spirit. That's what Jesus said. You must be born of water. You must be born of the spirit. Being, being born of water is being born into this world for the first time, coming through your mother's womb. That's being born of the water. He says flesh is of flesh. But we also must be, if we want to go into the kingdom of God, we must be born of the spirit. Spirit is of spirit. So there is this dead part within us when we're brought into this world that needs to be revived by the spirit of God. So if you are a child of God tonight, you are a person of the spirit. The spirit of God is necessary and the spirit of God is the hero of your story. It's very important for us to acknowledge. God is the hero of your story. I, I encourage people to vocalize their testimony, declare it boldly. But remember, within your testimony, God is your hero. You're not the hero. God is the, God is the hero. He's the one who transformed your life and softened your heart and drew you to himself. So he, Jesus uses this explanation of the work of the Spirit amongst humanity in verse 8. That's so beautiful. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. There are no formulas in following Jesus. There are no methods in being a part of the kingdom of God. Sorry to break it to you. If you, use, if you think of the analogy that Jesus used, this analogy of the wind, you cannot control the wind. You can harness the wind. You can get in its way and be blown by the wind, but you cannot control the wind. It's going to go where it's going to go. And so it is with the Spirit of God. And so often, especially in the church in the West, we play these games like somehow we can control or manipulate the Spirit of God. And I believe it's an abomination in the sight of the Lord. It's It's gross in his eyes. The true moving of the spirit in our lives is simply us getting out out in front and allowing the spirit of God to push us, to move us, to be like a sail in the wind. Holy Spirit cannot be contrived. He cannot be manipulated. He's not our puppet. All that stuff is just the flesh. The spirit of God moves where he wishes. There are many clues within scripture that show us what he's really drawn to. He's really drawn to humble and hungry hearts. He is. Those ones are in his kingdom. He says they're, they're blessed. He promises to fill those who are hungry. And so we'll talk about that more this weekend for sure. Let's keep reading in verse 9. It, said, it says, uh, Nicodemus, uh, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? You know, this is the a teacher in Israel, and he's just like, uh, I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> I asked one thing, Jesus answered this way, and 
And now he's just confused. So Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. I don't think he's being sarcastic. I, I think he is like kind of playing with him a little bit. You call yourself a teacher? You know? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So Nicodemus came from this came from this world, this sphere of intellectual authority. He knew what it was like to stand over the people in the synagogue in the in Solomon's porch and, and teach about the things of God. This was in this place of intellectual authority, but Nicodemus stood in the presence this evening, this night, in the presence of someone who had an authority from a different world, from a different place. And as Jesus points out, the authority that he carried doesn't come from the intellectual uh, spheres of academia. The, the authority that he carried came from heaven itself. Jesus had a heavenly authority and the two are not equal. Intellectual authority and academic, I mean, and uh, heavenly authority are not the same. Jesus spoke with an authority that came directly from the Father. And I would say that Jesus didn't expect for Nicodemus to get what he was talking about because he was in that sphere that was in the mindset he was coming to him even that evening. He was, he was trying to look for logical answers to, to why Jesus was so different than everything else he had seen. We cannot receive the things of God purely from an intellectual standpoint. And I wanted to set that out from the, from the outset of a Holy Spirit weekend so that we don't try to limit God and put him in a box or say, God, I want you only to the level that I can understand you. That's not the way God works. Instead, we actually have to come to know God personally through experience. And that's where Jesus points to ultimate authority in the kingdom. It comes through actual personal experience with the heavenly. And that's my prayer for you this weekend is that you'd experience the person of the Holy Spirit in your life personally in a greater and more profound way. And that's for every single person in this place. There's something for every single person here tonight. Every single person. God's got your number. Why don't you go ahead and tell your neighbor that God has something special for you tonight. Tell them that. The Lord has something special for each and every one of you. Now, why don't you tell your neighbor that God's got something special for me? He truly does. The Lord has something special for you. He wants to encounter you in a profound way. And there's no amount of teaching or talking that will lead you to that place of encounter. All I can do, or any pastor or leader or teacher, all they can do is point you in the right direction. They can just lead you to the living waters. And then you have to drink of it yourself. 
And you won't, there's so many things you won't understand until you take a drink yourself. And then all of a sudden the floodgates are open and everything around you begins to be like living color. And it's like you were living life in black and white. And so that's actually a major contention I have in the modern church. I'm not trying to dog on the, on the, the Western church only, but I am joined by my dear friend, Pastor Adil from Pakistan. This is his first time in the United States. Can you guys give it up for Pastor Adil? He's, he's here with me. He comes from a, a place in God's heart, in God's church and the body of Christ that I believe is so close to the Lord's heart church that's persecuted and that faces persecution day in and day out that the Western church knows nothing about. But in the Western church, so often we, we reduce things down to something that's intellectual. When in reality, what the gospel, what the gospels are uh, expressing are something that's otherworldly. And the gospel is something that is simple enough to be received by a child, but it's inexhaustible to leave a whole lifetime ahead of you of unending truths about what God is like. So it's both and. Simple enough for anybody to come to the cross and the purity and the beauty of Jesus, but inexhaustible to leave even the greatest minds still at the end of their days in awe of the mysteries and the majesty of God. And so, so often, too many Christians settle for a Christianity that's just a cheap copy of an original somebody else has enjoyed. Somebody else has had an encounter with the Lord and they kind of sit at the feet of that, of that person and hear about the encounters that they have had. Actually, one of my favorite quotes is from A.W. Tozer when he says, whatever else it embraces, true Christian experience must always include a genuine encounter with God. Without this, religion is but a shadow, a reflection of reality, a cheap copy of an original once enjoyed by someone else of whom we've heard. So the Spirit of God is necessary. So I, I quickly just want to lay, uh, lay out some of the ways in which the Lord uh, has allowed the Spirit of God to pl play a role in our life. So here's four roles I believe the Spirit of God plays in our life. And this is not an exhaustive list. This is, um, I would say, four of the main roles the Holy Spirit plays in our life that Jesus lays out uh, in the Gospel of John. And I want, I want to point us to that, which I believe will then set us up for this weekend. And hopefully uh, tonight, kind of prepare the groundwork for us to receive all that the Lord has for us tonight. First is this, Holy Spirit leads us into truth. Holy Spirit leads us into truth. As I said earlier, it's Holy Spirit that quickens the human heart to see rightly for a moment. That we are sinful and in need of a savior and that God is the answer. And it's the Spirit of God that like quickens the, the inner man to actually hear rightly for a moment, for the fog to clear for a moment, for the veil to be lifted. In John chapter 14, verses 16 through 17, Jesus said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, 
even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you, but he will be in you. So Jesus talking about the future work that's gonna happen after he ascends the Father and he sends Holy Spirit. The spirit of truth, that's what Jesus calls the Holy Spirit. He's the spirit of truth. He leads us into truth. Second is he reveals Jesus which is an accompanying work of leading us into truth. It's a very specific way which he leads us into truth. He reveals Jesus. John chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus says, but when the helper comes, who I will send to you, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, what will he do? He will bear witness about me. So Holy Spirit will come and he'll bear witness about Jesus. He defers to Jesus. He, refer, he, he defers and points people to see Jesus clearly. Third is this, Holy Spirit is friend. Jesus goes on to say that I'm not gonna leave you as orphans. I will come to you. That's the spirit of Jesus that comes, which is synonymous with the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, they call Holy Spirit, spirit of Jesus. So Jesus was like anticipating his ascension so Holy Spirit could come. Because he knew we'd be better off with the Spirit of God living within, within us than to have Jesus physically on the earth. And so I just, I just dream about the day, the future day in Jesus' millennial reign when Jesus, King Jesus, glorified Jesus will actually rule and reign on the earth physically and Holy Spirit will be living amongst the children of God. I mean, it's gonna be um, out of, it's mind blowing to even begin to comprehend. But Holy Spirit is friend and Jesus was excited about that. He looked forward to Holy Spirit coming and living life with the children of God. So you are not an orphan, you're not alone, no matter how forgotten you feel like. That's why with confidence, I can say God has something special for you tonight. Because God hasn't overlooked you, Holy Spirit has come to call you out, call you to the heart of the Father, to call you to the feet of Jesus, to point you to the cross, to place a purpose upon your life, a mission upon your life. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's a really good friend. But so often we, we live lives neglecting friendship with the Holy Spirit, relationship with the Holy Spirit. And, and, and a prayer for this week, weekend for your church has been that God would unlock a deeper relationship, friendship with Holy Spirit from this day forward. I mean, just imagine going to the airport to pick up a, a friend at the airport and you, you pick them up, you, open up the door, get their luggage, help them in. And maybe you got an hour drive to Cedar Falls from the airport or whatever it is. And after you get them in your car, it's like you ignore them the entire time. You just, you're just driving almost like as though they're not even in the car anymore. That's oftentimes the way we live with Holy Spirit. It's like we had this encounter with Jesus all because of Holy Spirit. We got his luggage and he got in the car and then the rest of our life we're living completely neglecting him, ignoring him. Uh, he's there, but we're not going to talk with him. We're not going to laugh with him. 
we're not going to recognize that oftentimes we grieve him. Um, he's our friend and he's there. He's there with us. He's meant to live life with us. And so Paul, as he refers to the Holy Spirit in his work, he refers to the Spirit of God as the Spirit of Sonship. It's the Spirit of God that actually reminds us that now, now we're friends within the family of God, that we belong, that we're adopted. So if we're living like an orphan, which I'll admit I sometimes live like an orphan when I'm trying to hoard things for myself and live selfishly and I live insecurely, all those things are, are uh, the spirit of an orphan. But when we do that, we are neglecting the Holy Spirit. We're ignoring, we're actually closing our ears. And we're deafening our ears to the call of the Holy Spirit that's reminding us that we're adopted sons, that we're adopted daughters in the family of God. Holy Spirit is a good friend. Are you guys tracking with me? Holy Spirit is a good friend. And fourthly, which we'll talk about in the morning, um, Holy Spirit empowers. Holy Spirit empowers. And Jesus said it, that Holy Spirit would come and he would baptize us in power so we could be effective witnesses. That we would be able to testify boldly of what the kingdom of God is like. So like Nicodemus, the world would come to us and they'd be like, why are you so different? Like, what is it that's different about you, Jesus people? Sadly, the world doesn't do that a whole lot in the Western church, but I pray for that day. And I pray that that would be the, like the common curiosity peaking uh, denominator of the, of the church in the, in the years to come, that people would come to us and say, what is different about you? And we'd be able to actually point them not to our one, two, three intellectual steps, but we'd point them to this otherworldly authority, which is found in the person of Jesus. So Holy Spirit empowers. So we live in this age of the Holy Spirit. It's the age in which we live in. It's the age of the church and the age of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit working amongst God's people, which makes up the household of God or the church, the body of Christ. This should get us excited. There should be something in our souls that like gets giddy, that we get to live on the earth in this moment in human history. Would you all stand to your feet? I want us to respond to the Lord. I want us to prepare our hearts for this entire weekend. We live in the moment of human history where the Spirit of God is moving to and fro throughout the earth, working in our human hearts and drawing people to the heart of God, which is revealed in the person of Jesus. A couple of years ago, I, I had the opportunity to take a trip to Israel and specifically spend five days in Jerusalem. And it was a trip of a lifetime. It was actually right before COVID. It was the last trip this organization took before the world shut down. So I was very grateful I got to get in on this trip. And there was one moment in my time in uh, Jerusalem specifically that I got to actually walk on this newly discovered path of ascent. It's called the path of ascent that leads from the Pool of Siloam, uh, quite a ways away from the Temple Mount, like where the temple would have been. Um, and it leads this path, this slow descent 
varying steps, purposely trying to slow people down as they approach the, the, the temple mount that leads all the way to the temple courts. And it was phenomenal. This was a newly discovered area, meaning it was actually underground. So it's in this excavated tunnel underground. And archaeologists are confident just in terms of the dating of the path that these would be the, the stones that Jesus actually walked on. Like this would have been the path of ascent that Jesus would have taken from the pool of Siloam. Like these people coming from these villages in the outs outskirts of Judea, they come to this pool of Siloam, they wash themselves from that long journey. And then they began this long journey up the path of ascent slowly, not running. That's why the steps were different, were varying uh, lengths apart so people wouldn't run to the up to the Temple Mount. They'd take varying lengths to get up there. But think of you and me coming in that day to the temple. Gentiles, unless there are some uh, Jew Jews in the house, and we welcome you, we're so glad you're here. But for most of us, we would be Gentiles. We'd be walking up this path of ascent to, to come and worship the Lord, to bring some sacrifices to the Temple Mount, which we'd be welcome to do. But really as close as we'd get to, get to come would be these outer courts. The outer courts are where the Gentiles could go. And there would be some places for us to uh, burn, burn some offerings, bring some sacrifices. And that'd be as close as we could get. It would be the outer courts of the temple. And we'd say, awesome, nice to see you, God. Glad, glad we can make it. And then we'd, we'd head home. Next would be the inner courts, which the Jewish people would be welcome to come into there. And then it would be the actual temple structure, where it would be the holy place, where the, where the priests could go. And they did their priestly duties. Then beyond that, there's the, the most holy place, where this big, thick curtain separated the holy from the most holy place. And only the high priest could go into the most holy place. But what happened when Jesus breathed his last breath, when he died there on the cross, the curtain was torn from top to bottom, like clearly pointing us to this new age in which you and I get to be a part of. This age in which Holy Spirit, the one who dwelt in manifest glory in the Holy of Holies, actually now comes and lives life with us. <laughs> it blows my mind. The veil being torn, Holy Spirit coming to live life with us, in us, with us. This is good news. I pray you get expectant for what Holy Spirit wants to do in your life this weekend and tonight. Jesus said it would be better that he go and that Holy Spirit come. And I pray that you take Jesus at his word. So this is how I want us to respond to the Lord tonight. I have a call for everybody in the house tonight to respond to the Lord. Because tonight's the first session. Don't close your heart off yet. This first night, everyone respond to the Lord. Wherever you're at in your journey with God, respond to Jesus. I believe there's a call for everybody. If everybody, everybody would uh, bow their heads and close their eyes in this place, I want us to respond to the Lord. And I'm hungry for God to move in my life this weekend. Holy Spirit, we are fully open to you. We thank you for your work that draws us, that woos us, that softens our hearts, that does the miraculous work of taking our, our heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh. For your work in our lives that allows us to see Jesus clearly. 
And tonight, Lord, I just pray for more, more of your Holy Spirit this weekend. So in preparation for this weekend, there's a few very specific responses that that I want to call for. And the lights are dark now, so I, I can't even see, but I still want to call you to respond. If you're here tonight and you need to get your life right with the Lord, this first session would be the time to do that. There is zero condemnation in the house tonight. There is zero condemnation at the foot of the cross. There is a clear, bold invitation for you to come and surrender yourself fully to Jesus. If there is any sin in your life or unforgiveness towards somebody or bitterness, root of bitterness, because all that stuff really just ends up hindering us from receiving from the Lord. So that's why right out of the gate, I wanna give an opportunity for you to respond in that way. Secondly, I want us to respond to the Lord with a clear declaration of our dependence on the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that brought us into the kingdom and it's the Spirit of God that's gonna sustain us. And therefore, I wanna, I wanna make a very clear invitation for us to respond to the Lord with that declaration, the Lord, I'm gonna depend on you. Spirit of God, I need you to be the very wind in my sail. Lord, I'm getting out in front I'm tired of trying to control you or manipulate you, put you in a box. I'm getting out in front, Lord, blow a fresh wind into my life. That sort of dependence. So right now, I wanna, I wanna open up these front areas for you to respond to the Lord. We purposely um, aren't necessarily going to facilitate ministry teams because we want everyone to receive from the Lord tonight and to have a moment to prepare their hearts for this weekend. So if either of those responses are for you tonight, I would just encourage you to come right now, come out of your seats and come forward, find a place actually anywhere in this, this room to get alone with the Lord and either confess sin or make a bold declaration of dependence on the Lord. So just come right now out of your seats. You can fill this place up front um, right now. Yeah, just come, come, come. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, King Jesus. Hallelujah.